What is God's response to our grumblings that we experience in life? There's two ways that we can see that people live their way in this world. One is looking for heaven on earth, and the other is looking for heaven in heaven and living according to that. And if we're going to look for heaven in heaven and not on this earth, that means we have to accept living in incompleteness. A lot of what we battle with, our sins that we have to battle against, it's trying to find total satisfaction here and now. And so God knows that it's difficult for us to wait for him in this land of exile, in this preparation for heaven. What is his response to what we see in the Israelites, that grumbling that they experience? It gets nothing less than himself. The foretaste of the communion we're meant to have in all eternity with God giving himself to us in the Holy Eucharist in this present time. How many of you have heard of Flannery O'Connor, 20th century writer, very eccentric personality? She once asked one of her Catholic friends um, what their opinion of Jesus, of the Eucharist was. And her friend said, I think it's nice, but I think it's a symbol. And she thought about this for a moment. She goes, well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. And I think that's one of the greatest quotes we have in our faith about the Holy Eucharist. If it's just a symbol, to hell with it. Because it can never truly satisfy the deepest longings of our heart that we have for communion with God. If Jesus Christ isn't truly present with us in this exile, it would be unfair that he could come one time 2,000 years ago and all we get is a book to read about him. And yet we have a greater gift than they ever had in the first coming of Christ. Because at any moment, we can go to any church and find them there waiting for us, right in that place. Fulton Sheen once said, the greatest love story of all time is contained in a tiny white host. And that love story could never exist if Jesus Christ wasn't truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, right there waiting for us in every tabernacle. Andrew told me I needed to give some words about myself at one point, and, well, that's never fun, but the fundamental reason I could tell you that I'm a Catholic priest today is because of Christ's presence in the Eucharist. That's the reason priests can live a celibate lifestyle. If celibacy were just a symbol of what is to come, in the words of Flannery O'Connor, to hell with it. It's not worth it. It's not a symbol because to be a celebrant priest means you've discovered the greatest love story of all time contained in a tiny white hole. And his body calls forth the sacrifice of our body. His total gift of himself calls forth the total gift of ourselves. His love compels our love. And that's a reality that could never take place without the Eucharist. That's why the first thing that happens when anyone breaks away from the Catholic Church, celibacy in the priesthood goes away. Because that can only exist with the presence of the body of Christ. So Christ said in the Gospel, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. And oftentimes this image of food actually pertains to love. Growing up, I always had the a question in my mind, and I think 
It's reflected in so many movies and so many dreams of youth and songs of where is that great love that deep down we know we're made for. And we get glimpses of it, right? We get little tastes of it in our reactions, in our relationships with one another, with our parents, with children, with your spouse. But it's always a glimpse. There's always something that remains unsatisfied within us. And that unsatisfied desires is actually the greatest calling of God to us. To never let us be totally complete and satisfied here so that we continue to move towards Him in heaven. That's why they say suffering is actually a gift. To not be satiated in this world is the very thing that calls us towards heaven. And I had a deep sense of that unsatisfied desire growing up. And so, like every other young man, I was just waiting until that perfect woman comes along and all things will be satisfied, as I'm sure every husband in here, you found that. I hadn't yet found discovered that in my life. And I remember the first time I went to adoration, I was in high school, I was a senior, and I didn't even know that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. I don't remember any priest ever telling me that Christ was present in the Eucharist, anyone ever mentioning that. So I didn't really know why we were going to sit before, kneel before a host and adore him. All I knew is the girl that I thought I might find that love with was going to adoration that night. And so that was the first time I ever went. And on, I think about this often, that when we were there, she was looking at Christ. I was looking at her. And yet the love that I was hoping for all my life was looking right back at me in that tiny white host. And when I discovered that, it changed my entire life. It changed everything I was hoping for and looking for. And that's the reason I became a priest today. Because of the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Do you know where the origin of the holy hour comes from? The idea you do a holy hour, try to do it you know, once a week or even once a day. To spend before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Well, you, the gospel comes in a sense from when Christ said, Could you not spend one hour with me? says that to his disciples in Gethsemane, but it actually became universalized by Fulton Sheen in the 20th century. He was calling all priests and laity to try to spend one hour with Christ every day. It's really inspiring for me, the missionaries here, to focus every evening from four to five. They all gather in here to adore Jesus Christ. But where did that really begin? Where did Fulton Sheen get that inspiration? And it actually came not from any priest or religious, but from a little Chinese girl named Little Lee. In 1953, Little Lee was in elementary school in China, and they'd eat rice every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so she asked her nun, a teacher, why do we say to God, give us this day our daily bread? And we say, give us this day our daily rice. You know, that'd make more sense. And her nun, her, the nun said, it's because you're not praying for food. You're praying for the Holy Eucharist. Every day you can receive Jesus Christ, his body and blood, the bread that comes down from heaven to satisfy your soul every day. When she heard that for the first time, it just clicked. No questions. She believed that Jesus was present in the Eucharist. So every day she'd go to school, she'd stop in there and she'd make a visit to the Eucharist. And when she received her first Holy Communion at nine years old, she asked Christ, give me the grace to receive you every single day. And this was the same time when the communist government in, in 53 was getting stronger and stronger. And so one day, 
they actually came into her school and they ripped off all the pictures, took the holy cards from all the children, made them rip them up and walk on them. And then they took them to the school or to the church right next to the school and they pried open the tabernacle and they threw the hosts onto the ground. A little over 30 of them. And they wanted to do it to destroy their faith, to say, how could you, number one, believe that Jesus Christ is God, but to believe that God himself becomes present in this host. They took the priest and they locked him up into the sacristy and a little coal shaft. And there's like a hole that he could see into the church from that. And, um, and so he was in there. He escaped later on. This is where the story came from. He said he could see all, all the hosts on the ground and he was sitting there every day just praying in reparation and in hope for his people. But he said the day after that happened, the, the soldiers said that if anyone came back to that church, they'd be imprisoned or even killed. But the next day he saw this little girl coming in. He didn't know where she, how she got in there, but he'd see her crawling in on her stomach down the aisle. And then she'd kneel before the hosts that were scattered on the ground. And she lay her head on the ground for one hour before Christ. And she leaned down and with her tongue, she'd lick up one host. And in that time, you could only receive Holy Communion once a day. So she received the Eucharist, stayed there for a moment, and then she crawled back out on her belly. The priest said that he saw her do this every single day until the, for over a month, until the last day with the last host, she came in, she knelt before, put her head to the ground, but before the hour's up, a soldier came in from the side and immediately she, she bounced up when she saw him and before he could even think, he pulled the trigger and he shot her. The girl fell and he said the last thing that he saw was her crawling back to the host and receiving him one last time, the last host that was desecrated on the ground. And then she died. The soldier, who was a young man, didn't really know what he was doing. He just reacted. But he, first he ran away, then he came back. And he was so shooken up by the killing of an innocent girl that he came to the priest. He unlocked the coal shaft, let him out, and said, take her away, bury the body, and you can go. The priest later on was able to escape and then he gave this testimony over the radio. Fulton Sheen was a seminarian at that time. And when he heard about what that little girl had done, sacrificing her life for the body of Christ, he made a promise right there. Never will a day go by that I do not spend one hour with you before the tabernacle in the Holy Eucharist. It was that little girl's faith that inspired him and inspired a whole new generation of priests and Catholics across the nations to begin living our faith in the Holy Eucharist. The bread that came down from heaven is Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And when we realize that, it transforms all of our suffering, all of our grumbling, Whatever good or bad we're going through, it transforms it into communion with Him. 
So I just ask you, all of us, when was the first time you came to truly believe that the Son of God is present in the Holy Eucharist? And it changed the way that you see Christ. One thing I can tell you is I've never felt alone again. It's impossible. No matter how bad things get in my life, it's impossible for me to ever say I'm alone. Because I can't believe that when I'm looking at Christ in the Eucharist. That changed my experience of reality. When was the first time you realized that the Son of God is truly present in every tabernacle, in every Catholic church in this world? And it made you think about Him when you came by. It made you come visit Him, to spend time with Him, to learn more about Him, how you prepare yourself for Mass, what you do after Mass. There's nothing more fundamental that can transform our hearts and our minds and our faith than the experience of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And the more we understand that with our entire being, we will be able to say with Fulton Sheen, with our life and with our death, that the greatest love story in this world of all time is contained in a little white host. <laughs>